Hi, Supergirl Radio. My name is Dylan. Uh, I'm a really big fan, and I I want to talk about the episode Changing. Um, I thought it was a really great episode, and it really hit home with me in a lot of places, um, especially, I think, um, as an LGBT person myself, um, what Alex was going through and how it was portrayed in the show was really good, especially since... Nowadays, there are a lot of people whose parents are accepting of them or have good people around them who accept them. It's hard to find a television representation today of the more minute struggles besides just um, your parents not accepting who you are or someone bullying you. It's interesting to see how Alex, as a grown woman, deals with it and how even when she comes out, that's not fixing the whole issue. There's so many little things involved in, like, how Maggie dealt with it and just the heartbreak and, I don't know. It's just really, it really hit something with me that I felt was really important. Um, Also, I thought there was a lot of cool changes in this episode, and it set up a lot of good things for the other characters in the future, like how McGann had to give John um, a blood transplant. I thought that um, this gives way for McGann to maybe help John to deal with not only um, tell him that she's a white Martian, but also maybe he'll have some white Martian side effects and they can work through that together. Uh, I also thought it was interesting with um, Monel's arc and Jimmy's arc, how they're kind of opposite in ways. I know Monel said something about Supergirl doing it because of attention and how she felt proud and loved to help people. And that was why she did it. And it was selfish, but he later saw that that wasn't her. And I think he was kind of speaking toward what Jimmy's kind of going after a little, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, this episode was really great for me. Um, also, I love your guys' podcast. Keep talking about Supergirl. It really makes my week every week. Thank you. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and since Morgan, one of my co-hosts, is out of the country, hanging out in Italy, which I am totally not jealous about, and my other co-host, Carly, is feeling a little bit under the weather this week, um, and everybody should send her some love on Twitter at Carly Lane. Uh, we, we all hope Carly feels better. 
Um, but since they are not joining me for this week's episode, I asked Andy Babact of The Flash Podcast to discuss the season two episode of the show titled The Darkest Places with me. So thanks for coming back, Andy. Rega, I gotta be honest though. These multiverse travels, I mean, these, this has become a little bit too much for me because every time I travel from one Earth to another, I make a ripple in the you know the fabric of time or whatever you want to call the sciencey time whammy stuff so you know we got to be more careful with these you know uh, i mean you got to come over to me at some point you know i can't keep picking you up all the time that's true you you keep screwing up the timelines so we, we do, I need do. To, we need to work on that i'm the reason laurel lance is actually dead well <laughs> then you need to get off my podcast no just kidding um <laughs> but well, thank uh, you for having me yes no thank you for uh, joining me um for this week's episode's discussion uh but before we get to that discussion let's get to the news Supergirl Radio is joining The Flash Podcast, The Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, and Quiver the Green Arrow Podcast for a special podcasting crossover. On Thursday, December 1st at 10.30 p.m. EST, 7.30 p.m. PST, we will be doing a live recording over on our Mixler channel, which is, you can find that at Mixler.com, that's M-I-X-L-R.com, slash DCTV Podcasts, with an S, and you can listen to it online from there or download the Mixler app on your smartphone. So, uh, Andy, are you jazzed about this podcasting crossover? I mean, I'm just so happy that we were finally able to bring all of us together as well. Because, I mean, this has been one of the trickier crossovers to plan out in the past few years because we're now so many people on the network. But also now we're bringing together four podcasts dedicating to these four major CW shows. So uh, I'm just really glad we were able to make it work. And I'm glad that the fans are excited because, you know, we've been getting tweets and emails. Like, I actually sent to all of the emails of the podcast at the same time asking us, what are you guys going to do? Like, when are you going to do a live crossover and so on? And I know a lot of people have been asking for live recording. So I felt, you know, because 2016 has been kind of a lame year, a kind of harsh year, like I felt, you know, let's give them a little gift, you know, an early Christmas present, if you will. And I felt, you know, because, you know, we all do, we just love doing things live anyway. So I'm really excited for this. And I'm excited to have you guys join us from Super Radio. And hopefully, you know, when I pick you guys up next week <laughs> from this herb, and hopefully it won't damage the timeline or multiverse too much. So I'm really excited. And I hope you guys are listening will tune in so uh, i'm sure rebecca will like provide a link to them like where you can find the mixer channel so so because we really want you guys to join us next thursday like we want to have like you know I, it would be a dream of mine to have at least 50 people in the live chat and you know and for the live for the live show and it's audio so you know it's not going to take up as much um you know buffer or whatever not and not yeah and uh like andy said this is a, a live podcasting event and you can come into the chat that's one of the the best parts about uh doing this through mixler you can go and be part of the chat and ask questions and share your thoughts with us live and wired live, uh, live and, wired. and wired um so that's that's really awesome so if you are available on thursday december 1st and you would like to join us uh we will provide some links but you can uh check it it's it's the same thing we did for the charity uh, charity yes. event that we did. So if you're familiar about what we uh, did with the Re Foundation, it's kind of the same, similar setup. So uh, that's what you can expect. But we'll be doing that Thursday, December 1st at 10.30 p.m. EST, 7.30 p.m. PST at mixler.com slash DCTV podcasts. 
All right, Andy, so are you ready to discuss this week's episode, uh, The Darkest Places? I am. All right, so here is the official description. Quote, while Guardian tries to clear his name after being accused of a murder committed by another vigilante, Supergirl heads out on a solo mission to rescue Monel, who has been captured by Cadmus. While fighting to free Monel, Supergirl comes face to face with Cyborg Superman. Unquote. So, Andy, this was a like this episode really surprised me. To be honest, there were lots of reveals, lots of surprises that were happening. Um, so, let's start because I think one of the biggest part of the episode and one of my favorite parts of the episode was uh, related to Lillian Luther and Cadmus and Cyborg Superman. So let's start with that. So uh, what did you think about what was going on with the Cadmus parts of this episode? I'm definitely going to agree that this episode was quite surprising. It was very dark for, for Supergirl. I mean, this is not... I'm not used to Supergirl going this dark in, ter- in terms of its tone because, you know, we're used to the more brighter optimistic side uh, of the show and so on so the fact that we actually got a very dark episode of the show you know said a lot and you know i mean i'm sure there was people out there you know crying their eyes up you know oh my god uh, you know a kryptonian live action not smiling for once you know whatever, <laughs> whatever we do and it, and, and it, it had scenes set at night oh no <laughs> oh i mean i mean girl i mean this is too dark and grim i mean you know i mean Oh my god, Zack Snyder driven everything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it, li- is it literally had the word darkest in the episode yeah. title. I still hope that one day it would be like fun to see Zack Snyder just direct an episode of Supergirl because I would love to see what he would do with Carr actually. So I'm just putting it out there. But I I I I'm in love with Brenda Strong. Like she is just so deliciously evil that I mean she doesn't give an uh, see, see see I sent with myself for you. So yeah, I'm I sure Rebecca's gonna have, I didn't have to bleep she, you there. She's probably going to do it anyway, guys, just so you know. So if you hear a beep, I didn't actually say the word. But I love this villain she's playing. She's just so much fun. And she she's not ashamed of how she feels. She She's legit pissed at these Kryptonians to what they've done towards Lex. You know, she looks at Lex as her Superman, and now he's in jail. And, you know... Some some of the best villains they don't see themselves as villains. They think they're actually doing a good cause, and she's just ruthless. And she like you know she gets down to business. And I thought it was a nice twist that lead is actually a weakness to Manel because you know Kryptonians can't see through lead, but Daxamers can't. Daxamites. You know, Daxamites. They, they're. They can be hurt by lead. So I thought that was a nice twist. But yeah, my my biggest takeaway from Cadmus was the reveal of Jeremiah Danvers and the way they dealt with Cyber Superman. And by the way, DC, thank you for spoiling it in advance in like in some video because you know, just like two hours before the episode aired, that was really necessary. But uh, I mean, see, not even the paparazzi was able to ruin mm. that for us. For once, you, you, and so just, the the best way to defeat that is just not to be on the internet ever. <laughs> That's the only way to get past it. Yeah, you're t- you tell that to every entertainment journalist out there, and you know I'm sure that's going to be doable. Um, but <laughs> no, I was pr- surprised with how they dealt with uh, Jeremiah and Cyber Superman because, I mean, I had heard rumblings that the way they were going to do Cyber Superman on the show was that it was going to be Jeremiah, but with Hank's brain in it. 
so that not only would you get that little Lois and Clark nod, you know, with him being having been Superman before on in the 90s, but you would also have him be evil because of Hank Henshaw's brain. Thankfully, they didn't go that route. So, but again, I was still surprised. And I mean, I guess we will talk more about Cyberman in a bit. But yeah, I mean, Cadmus was really some the, the darkest aspect of of this episode because, and I was not turned off by the the the, the grimmer tone, but it was it threw me off a little bit because we haven't really had episodes like that in either a long time or never with this show. Yeah, the only time I can think of where Supergirl kind of went pretty grim was actually the episode when Kelly died. <laughs> and I know that's like such a wow. Supergirl radio thing to throw out there um, to mention Kelly on the podcast. But, you know, when... So not Red Kryptonite. Red Kryptonite was not one of the dark... Well, okay, all right, that's true. Falling was a pretty grim episode. But, you know, Kelly fell off a build. You know, she jumped to her death. <laughs> and Supergirl couldn't save her. That's pretty dark. Um, but... I shouldn't have been laughing about that. R.I.P. Kelly. Um, but the, oh my god! <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean this this episode did have a very um, scary tone to it. I, I felt like um, all the stuff with Lillian. I I liked what you said about how she uh, Lillian Luther is not afraid to be a villain. Like she is a villain who is gonna villain. Like she is not somebody who's looking to be redeemed. She's not looking to do good, but she does think that she is the hero of of the story, which you're right, all good villains should. And I loved the line where she says, I'm a lot of things, a doctor, a patriot, a mother. Like she thinks that she has these admirable qualities, but uh, Supergirl's like, no, actually, you're a liar, you're a kidnapper, you're a killer. <laughs> like she's pointing out the other things that Lillian Luther has done uh, that she's not owning up to. Um, but I really liked the backstory that we we got a little more information about Lex Luthor and Superman, and I was very interested in that because it's it was definitely from like a Luthorian point of view. Um, where she says that Superman came to Lex and promised him the world and a new dawn for mankind. And I'm like, what is that about? What is that story? Like, I want to kind of see what that story is now um, because I'm very curious about that. But she does seem to really hate aliens and hate Kryptonians specifically. So this is all starting to make a lot of sense with Lillian Luther and her and her motivations Um and since you sort of uh, mentioned the Jeremiah Danvers stuff, we can go ahead and start talking about him and Cyborg Superman um, since they were all up in that Cadmus business uh, too. And I was actually relieved because I know that some people had speculated, and it was a good speculation, that Jeremiah would become Cyborg Superman. But And I liked that for the aspect of wanting to see Dean Cain play another version of Superman. But I also kind of didn't like it because I didn't want Jeremiah to go bad, specifically mm-hmm. for Alex. Like, I, I wanted Alex to have that reunion with her father. I wanted her to have that payoff to everything that's happened to her in her life. And so I'm glad that it seems like, you know, Kara says, you know, he seemed like himself. You know, he was he was himself. And so that made me a little relieved that he would be the Jeremiah Danvers that Alex knew when she was growing up. And so I, I'm very uh, much looking forward to Alex's reunion with her father. Um, but so Cyborg Superman actually was very... Uh, comic book accurate. I, f- I felt like in some regards, just because Hank Henshaw was Cyborg Superman. I was very 
uh, excited about that. And he had the uh, he when Supergirl used her heat vision to kind of uh, get at his his eyeballs, you know, it revealed his cyborgness. Uh, that made me very excited. Um, so there were a lot of cool things that they did with him. Uh, what did you think about Cyborg Superman and how they portrayed him on the show? I'm going to be really nitpicky here, and I, I, I'm sure some um, hardcore comic fans will be able to correct me or whatnot, but while I do understand where the name Cyborg Superman may, may have come from in the comics, I really didn't get what the context was in this show of how he came to have that name because, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think they had some history, Hank and Superman, you know, before he disappeared or whatnot, but at the same time, I wondered... At what point would Cadmus suggest that as a name for himself? Like, I kind of, I mean, I, I get it. I am being really nitpicky here, and I mean, this didn't, it didn't ruin the episode by any by any means, but it was just really, huh? So, wh- why this name for yourself if you hate Kryptonian and Supergirl this much? So, but I thought that overall, as as a, I mean, I'm glad David Hero gets to play. You know, it's. I think it's always fun for an actor to get to play more than just one character on the show, uh, on any show they work on. So it was nice to see. I mean, because this was the hang that we could have gotten if they, if Andrew Kreisberg and Jeff Johns hadn't come up with the idea of turning David Harry into Martian Manhunter after the pilot and so on. Because as people know, the plans for for David Harry's character on Supergirl they changed kind of quickly after the pilot, and um, so so I'm glad that. that this isn't what we would get on a regular basis, but at the same time, it is so much fun seeing him just like, I mean, it's like his hulking out moment. And, uh, you know, after seeing that last trailer from last week, that was, by the way, extremely overdramatic with the music <laughs> with, you know, like it was the Hans Zimmer drums of Hans Zimmer trailers. <laughs> because I was like, damn, these tr- drums, they're not holding back. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're lit. So it was intense as F, but it was fun. It was fun to see him be a villain and just have at it. And I, I mean, he, he's probably going to be one of the recurring villains of, um, of the new season, so I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the ending as well as in a bit. But um, overall, I mean, I was impressed. But overall, I was also thrown off a little bit because, again, I really thought they were still sticking to the idea of having Jeremiah with um, Hank's brain in it. But hope, I mean, if that really was what they were doing, I'm glad they scrapped that idea because I think that would have been awful. Yeah, I. I agree with you that the name Cyborg Superman seemed to come out of nowhere. And that that also sort of happened with Monel as well this season. Like nobody has questioned like his name is L. Like Kara has not like asked him, so what does that make you to me? Is there are we are we related? Uh nobody seems to um wonder about that, which is interesting. Um so if I if I can kind of go with it as, you know, they named him Cyborg Superman for some reason, or maybe he thinks of himself as some kind of Superman. I, they didn't really justify that very well. Um, but in terms of him being a villain and David Harewood's performance and, and how he distinguished the Cyborg Superman version of Hank versus the DEO Martian Manhunter version of Hank, I thought he did a really great job um, distinguishing both of those those roles. And it, it was a lot of fun to get to see him <laughs> uh, kind of mix it up here in this episode. 
And uh, so we see that Cyborg Superman goes to the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, Andy, what do you think that's all about? Well, it's, cl- it's clear not about the Medusa character from the – because I, when I heard that the title for next week's episode is going to be Medusa, I actually thought – well, isn't there a character in the comics named Medusa that they, you know, maybe they will bring in, bring her? And I mean, I have no idea what the, the DC version take on Medusa is. But again, just like, um, oh, what was the name of that project that they were unleashing on Earth last season? Uh, Myriad. Myriad. Just like Myriad, who that there is actually a character named Myriad in the Superman mythos. It's a very, it's a very minor character. It's not an actual character we're seeing on the show. It, it, it is another damn project. And also, but, but but that was a moment where I kind of questioned Lillian a bit because I, I, and I don't want to call her stupid, but I'm like, girl, listen, you just got the access to the, you know, the, the utopia of all information. All you want to find out about is some project. Okay, how about you watch Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice and look what Lex Luthor in that movie did? Because he was when he went in and absorbed all the information about all the all the existence in the galaxy. Why would you just send Cyber Superman just to get information about a project one project that is probably some buyers or whatnot? That was weird to me. I kind of felt that you build it up as a great villain, but now you're I mean, they, they could do it in later episodes because now they, they, they do have Kara's blood. But at the same time, like, why would you not go for that in in your first attempt of infiltrating the fortress? Yeah, and it also seems a little lazy that she didn't, she didn't want to make the trip. She 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 sent somebody else to go go over there. I mean, I mean, girl, it's cold. It, well, it is it is cold. She would have to you know take a lot of stuff, pack a bunch of parkas, and maybe a you know a little personal space heater or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, now you now you're overcomplicating it, Rebecca. Like we we're like she's just going for like a day or something. Yeah, that's true. It could be a day trip, and she could be out of there. Um, yeah. Well, and it's interesting about Medusa. I, I'm not as well versed in Greek mythology as maybe I should be um, because Greek mythology kind of runs in and out of comic book mythology as well. But I thought it was fascinating that Lillian Luther mentioned the reason for the name Cadmus. And she says that Cadmus was the very first Greek hero and was famous for only one thing, that he killed monsters. And uh, I was not aware of that, so she taught me a little something uh, in this episode. And Medusa, she pulled she pulled a line of Luther on Smallville, where he would all, like all, one of his many monologues would always be about some something historian or mythology based or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, Luthers are are known for having a great uh, knowledge of history and philosophy and um, politics and things like that. So yeah, that was very in character for a Luther. Um, but I thought it was interesting that you were talking about Project Medusa, that Medusa is a, a character from Greek mythology. So I wonder if Cadmus sort of uh, that's that's one of the ways they name their <laughs> their stuff is they 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 pull from Greek mythology. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm very interested in, in seeing what Cyborg Superman does from here on out because it seems like he might be a recurring villain, which is very exciting because especially with Supergirl, since the New 52, I believe, she has had a very contentious relationship with Cyborg Superman, who sometimes is her father. <laughs> so and in Supergirl Rebirth, if anybody's been reading that, he, he makes an appearance in that as well. So uh, I think it's really cool that they've brought in Cyborg Superman, who's not just a Superman villain. Uh, lately, within the comics, he's become more of a Supergirl villain. So I'm glad to see him in there. Um, so I, I am looking forward to seeing what he does and if he, if he 
maintains the ability to be kind of Lillian Luther's lackey, or if he <laughs> he might turn on her and do his own thing. I don't know. So I'm excited to see what what happens from here on out. Well, the fact that he's part cyborg now probably implies that I mean, there's a reason why we should never, you know, that the Terminators are going to take over humanity one day, you know, because the machines will rule the world. I'm just saying. So, you know, I mean, hopefully Lillian has some sort of, you know, backup or whatnot. But, you know, we, you know, the girl didn't even want to ask uh, the Fortress about all the information in the galaxy, you know, so maybe, maybe she's not as smart. I mean, I'm kidding. I'm well, kidding. I'm, she is my favorite part of season two so far. Um, so I mean, She's amazing. So, she's so amazing. Watch your mouth. Don't speak ill of Lillian Luther. I, just... I, I said, this, okay. <laughs> she, I, no, I will make some joke. I will make some uh, Lillian versus Arrow joke off air because I think you would appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I think I think she probably needs to be careful because who knows those those uh, those cyborgs might turn on her if she's not careful. Um, and so we spoke about a little bit about the villains in this episode, uh, but we had a couple of heroes. Um, so there was the. Um, the Cadmus connection with the heroes. We we saw Supergirl and Monel. They were they've been captured by Cadmus and for a very specific purpose uh, to get Kara's blood. So, what did you think about that whole part of the episode? Yeah, again, I mean, it was really intense and dark, and uh, I mean, it was also cute to see Monel like. I mean, even in a cage, he's able to use his charm to get out of out there or whatnot. But then, you know, he was taken again, so. Still, I'm loving. I mean, I know Carly. If you're listening, I know Manon hasn't been your biggest biggest favorite of this season, but like, I'm all about him. Um, and just putting it out there. But no, I mean, again, it was really dark to see that, and um, you know, having seeing Lillian force Kara to, you know, use her ultra heat, you know, supervision or whatnot was. I mean, we know what that does to her. You know, it drains her for like a day or whatnot. So. Yeah, it was it was a lot to take in. I mean, again, I was not prepared. I mean, with a title like this, I should have been more prepared. But at the same time, I, I, I mean, how do you prepare for an episode like this when you're used to Supergirl having somewhat of a balance between light and darkness? So, but th- yeah, that's what I thought about that aspect. Yeah, I actually did not mind Monel in this episode. I, I've I've liked seeing that he's sort of progressing in a nice way. That he, you know, he was kind of a. Uh, a piece of crap at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Once he woke up, he was kind of a jerk and kind of full of himself. But I think he started to um, open himself up a little bit and kind of be there for other people and and be uh, in some ways self sacrificing. And uh, you know, he's not he's definitely not a perfect character, but I, I think he's progressed in 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 a way that's kind of turning him into a hero. And and in that in that respect, I, I I've liked seeing his progression. Um, and I liked the bits with Monel where, because <laughs> um, I did mention this earlier, and I was talking about Lillian. You know, she when she was trying to mean business with Supergirl, she was like, "I'm just going to straight up shoot Monel in the leg." <laughs> like she didn't even hesitate. So uh, that kind of thing was really intense. That she was willing to go that far to get what she wanted out of Supergirl, and she ended up getting what she wanted. Supergirl used her heat vision and. Uh, her powers went away because of the solar flare, and she got her blood. Uh, so I, I thought that that was all uh, it had a lot of stakes to it, and I, I was glad to see that. So I, I think the 
Monel thing. I, I hope we get to see him continue to become a you know make the the steps to become a hero. And I, I know that they're kind of pushing the romantic relationship between Monel and Kara, which whoever saw that coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very shocked by this. Uh, Carly, if you're listening, <laughs> welcome to the CW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mind it too much, but I also don't think it needs to happen. Uh, just because I've been liking their their friendship and their mentor mentee thing, but I mean, I could be open to it. Um, uh, it's it's been done a little better than some other stories this season, in my opinion. Uh, but I, I I think it'll be interesting to see what what happens uh, moving forward. Well, speaking of storylines that are not working for you, um, <laughs> because I think you were implying it a little bit in your in your voice there for a second. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about Guardian. Um, in uh, this episode, The Darkest Places. What did you think about the whole Guardian storyline where he's uh, encountering this other vigilante who's 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 turning his, his good name into mud? What did you think about that? Okay, I've said this in my reviews at Horokala. I'm still cautious about this storyline and, and a little bit skeptical, but a part of me is really enjoying it. And I, I, I said it somewhere, maybe I said it on Twitter or something, but I felt that, I mean, look, I agree with you, what, what you ladies have said on the show that the, the show doesn't really know what to do with Jimmy. I feel that, that I was actually today, I was listening to last week's episode where you were talking about how it feels like that, that he's only Jimmy Olsen in name, but like there's nothing of him, nothing resembling Jimmy anymore with um, this version of the character. But something that I kind of touched upon a few weeks ago was that as he was expressing, I mean, in many ways, even though this is a very forced storyline and whatnot, in many ways, as he was expressing that he was tired of being the sidekick and the, the background character and whatnot, I felt in many ways he was almost speaking for all the Jimmys that we've seen in live action and in animation and in the comics, stuff like that, where he wants to be able to prove himself being more than just, you know, Superman's good old pal <laughs> and, and all these things. So I, so, so that, that's why I'm a little bit more open to this storyline. Plus... I mean, look, I'm just glad that they, <laughs> they, because for so many years on Arrow, they wanted to use Guardian, but we never got it. So I'm like, I'm just like glad that, you know, finally the Berlanti was just put that name to use somewhere. Uh, even though we saw, I mean, we've seen one of the actual Guardians on the show, on Super Bowl, and then Flash referenced the second Guardian, but I'm a little more open to this than some people are. And I mean, again, it is going really fast. And I think that this storyline this week with having to clear his name, I mean, like, just like Wynn said, it hasn't even been 24 hours and <laughs> there are, a, because I'm not used to them to, to superhero stories like this, pulling this card this early. Like this is something that you would do. Like, like, I mean, like for example, Arrow has done that pretty well. Like, you know, I think it was like in their second or third season when they had Green Arrow imposters and whatnot, either trying to ruin his name or trying to help his crusade, that they would use some sort of line like that, you know. But Guardian hasn't even been established for like four episodes, and they're already pulling this, unless they just want to get it over with, with it, with that aspect of the storyline. So, but again, I'm I'm a little more open to this. So I enjoy what we got this week, and uh, but I do agree with what you guys said last week that. Him, you know, just wanting to out of the sudden just be this hero and then barking at wind the way he did was, um, yeah, it's it wasn't cool. But you know, I'm again, I I'm warming up to this story. But what about you? I 
I would think that they probably pulled this story so early because they wanted to have a reason uh, for people, for characters within the show to question him. I guess that's why they did that. Um, but I was laughing at the beginning of the episode because Kara was so me when they were all in that alien bar and they were all talking about the guardian. And I was like, I was laughing because I was like, Kara is, I'm right there with Kara. Cause she says, I don't think the city should be putting its trust in him so quickly. Like she was not a fan of the guardian. <laughs> and I was like, Gar- Kara, we are, we're right. You and me right there. Um, so I, I loved that she um, has this, uh, qu- questioning of him and how he operates, like that the fact that he wears a mask, and she's like, "Well, if you're if you're on the up and up, you wouldn't need to, you know. I don't wear a mask, so I think that's weird." Um, so I like that she was starting to uh, question what another superhero was doing and why. Uh, I thought that was really interesting, and there were some things that I, I thought were were good about this uh, portrayal of Guardian and, and, and this uh, specific story. I liked that he, um, when he's talking to, um, uh, so the character, the other vigilante, is actually a DC Comics character known as Barrage, who was totally, to, uh, totally new to me, so I looked him up uh, in the DC wiki, and it turned out in the comics that he lost his arm during a fight with Maggie Sawyer, of all people. Um, oh, and so I, I thought I thought that was that. really interesting. Um, but I liked his, uh, Philip Karnowski's um, conversation with Guardian when they were fighting and they were talking about losing people they loved. And um, I liked that Guardian tells Philip that he wants to honor his father's memory and not destroy it. Like, I thought that was a nice moment but I think it could have been better if we have if we had met James's father. We've never seen him. We've never heard from him. Um, it would it would be almost like if Barry Allen on the Flash was talking about, oh, you know, my dad and my mom, you know, they've meant so much to me, and we never saw Henry or Nora Allen ever. Like, would it make that much of a difference? Like, it would make a huge difference. So, I I think one of the the weaknesses about this whole thing and his the uh, you know honoring his father's memories that we've never seen him. We don't know anything about him other than he was in the military and he gave you know his that was his camera that got destroyed. So, like, I have no oh, real that that camera that damn camera. R.I.P. James's I, dad's camera. I keep forgetting that his camera got sm- smashed because I'm like. Oh right, it got smacked by a car. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a very important moment for James. Andy, you can. It was his. It was it was his Kelly. I, oh no, that was really bad taste. Never mind. That was bad taste. Uh, we're <laughs> gonna strike that from the record. <laughs> there's uh, only one. There's only one true Kelly. O T <laughs> Kelly. There can uh, there can only be one. Uh, there can be only one. I think that's like a Highlander. Uh, reference but uh yeah so i i think it could have been a lot stronger uh in the episode at one scene uh but i thought that was a nice moment for james um although i'm still having trouble with him being so concerned about his hero status like when he's talking to snapper uh, uh by the way we saw snapper car in this episode no snaps no snaps um no snaps no snaps we're we're doing all the snaps for him no um, tights no robot hats and it, it will be season 10, uh, the, the series finale of Super Bowl, where he will put on the, the robot hands and he will snap. And then, boom, qu- cut to black, executive producers, the end. <laughs> it would all be worth it by then. Um, but uh, Snapper didn't snap, but he had a lot of post-it notes 
uh, in this episode, which I was very curious about. Like, what are is those so... your new? Are those the new monitors to your um, to your obsession? Well, yes. Now, now they are because I'm like, what is so important that he keeps putting post-it notes all over the room? What, what's on those post-it notes? Um, so, uh, but yeah, so. Snapper and James have this conversation about the Guardian, and when Snapper shows him the security footage, James is like, oh, yeah, he looks like a hero. And I'm just like, you're so concerned about the way you look and the fact that you're a hero instead of, I don't know, it just seems really, it's still very conceited to me that he, Well, in his defense, so I think he was it. trying to pretend to, to kind of react like like someone would if they weren't guarding. Like, you know, just kind of, you know, some people would say, you know, well, he looks like a hero or whatever. So I think he was just trying to be like, I don't think he was trying to glorify himself. I think he was just trying to, you know, not cause any suspicions or whatnot. Just be, you know, oh, I mean, I guess he looks like a hero, whatever. Yeah, that could, that could be part of it. But I was still like, you need to just focus on saving people and not what you look like. Um, so that that kind of still uh, bothers me. And one one of the other things I thought was really kind of. Uh, I don't want to say dumb, but it kind of was dumb. Um, so James and Wynn decide to talk about their guardian business in James's CatCo office. And I was like, y'all, you need to find another room to do that in. Like, all of the information went up. But you're talking about cats monitors. Like, all of that information they were talking about was displayed all, o- all over that wall of monitors. And I was like, y'all are not being very discreet. Uh, about your guardian business, so look, look. If there's no security in the Berlanda universe, then there's no discre- there, There's no some. There's nothing called discreet. No, I'm. I don't know. It was. I didn't even think about it. I mean, it's always weird when people are talking about secrets in public places. Like, you know, we're talking really loud about my secret that no one can know about, Rebecca. And then, <laughs> you know, but no one hears it. I'm like, I mean, the magic of television filming. I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to kind of look past it. Um, and speaking of secrets, Kara is now the only one who doesn't know that James is Guardian because when uh, got threatened <laughs> by Alex Danvers. Uh, and so now Alex knows that James is Guardian. What do you think about that? I am so over P- the, these type of storylines where there, you know, where there's one significant character that doesn't know things like whether it was Laurel not knowing Oliver's secret or Iris not knowing Barry's secret or now Karen. Not, I mean, <sighs> that, that's my reaction to. It. I'm 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 done. I'm tired about uh, with these stories. Yeah, eventually I'm sure Kara is going to find out. But I just thought it was funny that. Uh, I, I sort of bonded with Alex in that one scene because uh, when Wynn tells her, you know, it's James, it's James. And she's like, are you kidding me? And I was like, Alex, that was my reaction to this whole Guardian business, too. Are you kidding me? Uh, so I thought that was great. But so we'll we'll have to see. I, I think Kara not knowing the secret is really interesting to me because now she's kind of the Cat Grant of season one. In season one, Cat was the only one in this kind of core group of cast members who didn't know that Kara was Supergirl. So now Kara, the, the tables have turned and now she, she's the only one. Although uh, Monel, I don't think knows. I don't think Monel cares, honestly. Well, that's, because he, that's he, true. Because, he, because <laughs> he's not worried. About, he's more concerned about mate, mating with uh, with Kara, which, by the way, I mean, that conversation at the end was just so awkward. I'm like, Super awkward. Well, um, so the the last thing that we should probably mention, because we haven't uh, really talked about this, and it was kind of a big part of the episode, too. Um, so McGann, uh, talking about secrets, it's it's out in the open now with John that he knows that she is a white Martian. What did you think about all that? 
this was really painful to watch because I mean, we knew this was going to, I mean, that her secret would come out eventually and that it probably wouldn't be good results. But a part, but part of me felt, see, I'm very mixed about this because on the one hand, I do get where John is coming. He's pissed. He, you know, that she lied to him and that she, you know, inf- you know, infused her DNA with his, which is now turning him into a white Martian. But at the same time, she has shown no signs of wanting war with him. She is like this is like she, you know she looks at this as a sin. She she feels horrible about it, and the fact that she is now locked up uh, after you know having worked so hard to establish a life of her own on this planet. I mean, I, I'm very mixed with because I do see both sides. So I'm not saying that one is wrong more wrong than the other. I see where they're both coming from, but. I'm not sure how I'm feeling about the Martian storyline so far. With the, I mean, I'm loving McGann, but I'm not really liking how John has handled a lot of the things so far because I was hoping for some more bonding at this point. And I mean, hopefully this doesn't mean that you know that McGann is now locked up in the DEO and that we won't see until like maybe February or something like that. Because I mean, I love Sharon Leo and I love Miss Martian, so I just you know. I'm very mixed about this and because I do understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, listen to what she was saying. This is the one white margin that would not target you back in the war. This was the margin that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what, did you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think if, if the... There are two sides to the story, and and I, I agree that it's it's very difficult because Jean has every reason to be upset. Uh, you know, the White Martians were the reason that he lost his family, and I thought it was so heartbreaking when he kept you know he kept seeing those hallucinations, and one of them was of his family's and his uh, his family and his wife and two daughters, and and even one of one of the children was like reaching out, and I was like, oh, it's tearing me up, it's tearing me. I up. had to close my eyes. I had to yeah. close my eyes. girl. I couldn't watch that. It, I couldn't was, watch it at it all. It was so sad. So so that kind of heartbreak and the you know I feel for Jean with that, and and it makes what the White Martians did to him and his people, you know, so real and so, um, just so sad. And so I understand why he's angry. Um, but I, I would agree with you that, you know, McGann has done everything she could to try to make it up to him. She's tried to help him. She's tried to be nice to him. She's tried to befriend him. She saved his life in the last episode. So I, I think, you know, once he kind of, I think the fight that they had, which was pretty epic where it was the two Martians fighting in the alley, uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and so I think that was maybe Jean's way of letting out some of his anger. Now, he did lock her up in a DEO cell after that, so he's still a little bit angry. But I think, you know, maybe he needed that to kind of get out some of the anger. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's – when you look at it from both perspectives, it's it's a tough call. I don't know if one is right and one is wrong. Um, but I think they just need to understand each other. I think that's kind of the main point there. Um, yeah. And, and and one of the things I really liked about uh, Jean in this episode was the scene between him and Kara. Uh, well, she was Supergirl at that point, where they were in the DEO, and he was sort of doing his Tai Chi and. Um, Which I I could I couldn't take seriously for honestly because I even though I know John Jones in the you know in any iteration is a very spiritual and very you know, open-minded, you know, soul. 
I don't know why I laughed so hard seeing David Harewood doing all those moves because I'm like, I don't, I, I just can't take this seriously. But uh, no, but go on. Yeah, no, well, and it was, you know, it's very slow and very kind of a peaceful, peaceful movement. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting that he talked about his his backstory where he learned that. But I, I just thought it was nice to get to, you know, even if it, even if it was a Jean story, we got more information about Kara and her past and, and specifically her past with Eliza and how when she was lonely, Eliza, you know, would would try to hug her and, and tell her that, you know, her parents would want her to be loved and that nothing would replace her parents because they were part of her. And I, I thought all of that was really nice to kind of get more information about Kara and Eliza's relationship and how that moment for Kara was the, the first time she ever let Eliza hug her. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. I love the Davers. Um, so I, I enjoyed that immensely. Um, so, uh, Andy, let's kind of wrap it up on our discussion. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on this episode? Are, are there anything you, is there anything you want to bring up that we didn't talk about? Well, there was some good progression on Maggie and Alex, and that um, I because I was I was not really happy with how Maggie dealt with Alex last week. But, you know, even though I know she she wasn't trying to lean her on or whatever, I I know that she wasn't. There was no cruel intention or whatnot. But the thing was that she should. I felt that she should have seen that Alex was getting to you know to this point of wanting to come out and you know, be with a woman because it it was because of Maggie. Maggie was that one person. So because, and to get re- rejected right afterwards, I mean, that's one of the worst thing uh, that we gay people have to go through. I mean, I could relate so much to Alan in last week's episode because when I came out, I had a similar incident with someone that I, I mean, it wasn't a person that got, that got me to come out, but he gave me wrong signals and he broke my heart. So, I could see where I was coming from. So the fact that she, I mean, she let out the frustration this week and kind of said, you know, no, we're not friends because, you know, this isn't, you know, I came out because I wanted to be with you. And even though I see where Maggie's coming from, that, you know, you're like, you know, she's, you know, it's, you're still seeing this world with open, you know, new fresh eyes. I do see where Alice is coming from. That's why I feel Maggie's way of handling last week's episode wasn't really something I was supportive of. But they made some progression. They, they healed him. They talked, and they didn't ball things up like other characters sometimes do in the DC TV universe. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to see where Sanders is going. And oh my God, Kyle Lee and Floriana, if you're listening, your Instagram posts are just killing me with all the adorable feels this week. Yeah, they they had one with a like a Scrabble table, and they were oh my God, girl, I cried. Yeah, yeah, that that was kind of very that was very clever that they. Uh, had Sanvers and then they had Maggie and Alex coming out of that. That was that was pretty cool. So yeah, uh, a plus Instagram pictures. Yeah, and I, I was I was glad that Alex was able to kind of get out some of you know she had some anger too. It wasn't just uh, Jean or Lillian in this episode or even Cyborg Superman. Uh, Alex had some anger too. I, that that must have been a, a little bit of a theme for these <laughs> these characters that they had to kind of deal with the stuff that was sort of raging inside them a little bit. So I was glad that Alex. Kind, got to speak her mind and say what she felt. And, and I was glad that Maggie and Alex kind of came to an understanding and decided to try to be friends. So uh, that was good. Um, so did you like this episode? Not like this episode? Where, where are you falling on it? After I, I rewatched the episode two or three times and I felt it was a very, 
it was a di- very different episode of Supergirl. Not in a bad way, though. I think it's nice that we can kind of see Supergirl be sometimes very, very bright, sometimes in between, and then sometimes very dark, and without losing themselves. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was overall very satisfied with this episode, and um, I'm looking forward to see how things are going to turn out. You know, for you know, for James as a guardian, and uh, you know, Monel making the moves on Kara because you know I'm has her has she made it yet oh my god <laughs> and, and uh, more Lynn and Luther please I mean I wish she was in the crossover um just oh, so she can awesome. you know, sm- I mean she could smack the hell out of Oliver I mean, wh- what no sorry um <laughs> sorry not sorry but um no Oliver's actually been pretty okay this season so far on Arrow but uh, yeah no I I'm I was missing Lena though, and I, don't, I mean, I don't know, I don't know where they would put her in this episode, but I feel it's been like f- three weeks that we haven't seen her. Yeah, they talked about her a little bit, uh, so I, I would like to see her uh, show up and, and get to know more about her relationship with her mother. Uh, I think that's one of my questions still. Um, but I, I really liked this episode. I think this is one of my favorites of the season uh, just because there was a lot going on and there were a lot of things. Like, I didn't expect to see Jeremiah in this episode. I didn't know that they would go full on Cyborg Superman like they did. Uh, so all of that was really great. And Lily and Luther, Brenda Strong, you're killing it. Um, I just, I can't get enough of Lily. If this turned into, like, the Lily and Luther hour... If if it if the show just became about Lily and Luther, I'm I, I might be okay with that. Uh, no offense to Supergirl, but I might be okay with that. <laughs> so Morgan, do you dare go, Morgan? The, the, another podcast is about to be launched that you will have to plug. <laughs> yeah, we'll add it to the we'll add it to the network. The so somewhere she's listening to, and she's just like she's grabbing her wood, Andy Wood doll and just pinching another needle like thirty degrees around my heart. She's like, you know, oh, you like adding more shows? Do you? How do you like about this? <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to do a, a Lily and Luther. Uh, radio or Lillian Luther podcast, um, just because I like her so much. I think she's such a great villain, um, and she's a lot, she's a lot of fun to watch, even though she's doing terrible things. Uh, so I liked getting to see more of her. And um, I, as a as a camera operator, I was very excited to see some of the way they used the camera and the visuals in this episode. I think this was directed by Glenn Winter, so I shouldn't really be surprised by how well it was shot. Um, but I just, the, even from the first shot that opens up the episode where Supergirl's kind of being hurled into the air in slow motion, I, I just, I was just like, that is a dynamic opening shot. I am in for whatever is happening and whatever this is. I thought that was great. Um, there was also a shot where, uh, so Hank Henshaw's on the floor and it sort of dissolves into Jean's face. I thought that was really clever. Um, even the stuff when we talked about the Tai Chi that uh, Jean was doing when he was uh, kind of in that room by himself, there was this really nice close-up shot of his hands. And I thought that that was, I don't know, that that really stuck out to me. It was very nice. Um, and there was even a, a like a reflection shot of Guardian fighting uh, Barrage. And it was like a reflection on the water. I was like, oh, that's nice. So there were a lot of really cool visuals in this episode that I, I thought made the, the episode rise a little bit higher, in, in my opinion. So uh, uh, well done done glenn winter oh he's the best he is very good um so i think that's going to do it for our discussion but let's find out what some of our listeners had to say about the darkest places so that's what we're going with it's not darkest place uh no well the cw um kept saying uh the cw app the cw website they all uh said the darkest places and even on my dvr it said the darkest places 
So okay. I, I went with darkest places, but maybe some people call it, I, I think on IMDb it said the darkest place. Very confused. There's an S. Nobody knows why. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the darkest places uh, just because that's the way the CW did it. Um, the extra S is for snaps for snapper. Or snaps uh, for snap. It, they're in there somewhere. They're in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, let's get to some of these tweets. So at Madtown Davidson said, dumb question slash nitpick. Even if the bars are nth metal, couldn't Kara have used her powers to tunnel out of the cell? Uh, do you have any input in that, Andy? Do you have any thoughts? But wasn't she drained at that point? Oh, yeah. Well, at one point, I think she did lose her powers and got put back into the bars. But when she first got there, she might have been able to do something. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of weird that she didn't try to... I do think it's interesting that Fang, that Fangar exists in this universe. So hopefully, I mean, maybe they will use CRNA as the hot girl of, the, of this earth because... I want her to be back on the CW shows, and I actually wanted to get better, you know, better Ryan this this time because they did not treat her well in Legends. Well, that would be really cool to see Hot Girl and Supergirl flying around together. That would be pretty awesome. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah, so uh, we did get a, man, a mention of Thanagar, and um, I was I knew I had heard about Nth Metal before. I don't know if it was like. Uh, the DCAU, or I've read about it in a comic or something, but I, I had to go back and look it up because I couldn't remember what, what it was. And so uh, the DC Wiki says that the Legion of Superheroes flight rings are made out of an alloy of nth metal called a Valorium. So I thought it was interesting that it, it's nth metal is not just a, a Thanagar, Hawkgirl, Hawkman thing. It's also related to the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so getting back to some of these tweets, at Super Dave 1961 says, I thought they'd need to send Monel to the Phantom Zone after being shot by the lead bullet. And um, this is really interesting because uh, we had another listener named 108th Sage, uh, who we'll hear a little bit uh, later from in our uh, later on in our feedback section. Uh, 108th Sage says, in the comics, Superboy once had to stick Monel in the Phantom Zone to save his life from lead poisoning. He stayed there until the 30th century when Brainiac 5 cured him. So I think that's what Super Dave 1961 is referring to, that uh, Monel has sometimes been sent to the Phantom Zone. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if, I don't, know, I don't know if that'll happen on the show, but it's an interesting storyline nonetheless. At Rantasmo1 uh, says, I hope they follow up on someone getting a sample of Supergirl's blood. At, and I think they probably will. That's probably coming. <coughs> Bizarre Girl 1. <laughs> yeah, we have some emails on that as well. And uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui uh, says they recycled the same plot from last week's Arrow with James. Maybe there's something wrong with the storyline. <laughs> no, as someone who saw last week's Arrow, no, what they bas- what Arrow did it was that they they made the the male version replacement of Laurel Lance uh, to be this psychopathic vigilante who. Is cr- even crazier than Oliver. So no, 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 no. They did. Uh, James at least tried to do good by not killing the vigilante on there. Girl, I'm not kidding. His name is Vigilante. <laughs> he is cray cray. So no, 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 no. Yeah, well, and like we said, Arrow has done the same thing. Maybe not last week's episode, but they've done the same kind of storyline before. But yeah, I think there is a little something wrong with the storyline, but we, we've already heard uh, my thoughts on that. 
uh, at Pantamello20 says, I yelled when Jeremiah showed up. So many Lois and Clark feelings. But the Guardian is still not working for me. At Aaron underscore Joy says, I loved all the epic Guardian fight scenes in this episode. I also liked the closure of Sanvers and seeing Daddy Danvers alive. At Paradox Kid uh, says, Hooray, Jeremiah's back. Still trying to like Guardian, but found myself liking the other guy more. That's interesting. Hashtag pray for Jean. Pray uh, for Jean. Pray for Jean. Um, at, at Chris Fundalinski says, I cannot wait to see Kara confront Lena about her mom now. How's that going to go down on pins and needles? Me too. Oh, Kara being discreet. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> at Stinko407 says, I think I'm the only person that thought Alex was wrong for tearing into Maggie like that. Alex assumed too much. So that's an interesting take on that. Um, at and Fernie Fuzzy says, this episode was too much. Sanvers tension, Jean McGann conflict, Cadmus and Jeremiah. Oh, and whatever Jimmy did. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, he, he was kind of a separate storyline kind of on by himself. So Right, but it was the sass that kind of just threw me off. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some sass in that tweet. Um, at Mark HBPWM says, Batman reference, Alex is now Alfred from Batman 66, keeping all the secrets, and uh, glad Cyborg uh, Superman is Hank, canon for the win. So uh, it's, we had a few little mixed uh, mixed feelings in there about a couple of things, but I think everybody liked this episode. And we have an email from Jeffrey who writes, While I was watching the, the last episode of Supergirl Changing, it occurred to me that James Olsen's Guardian seems like he combines elements of Jim Harper's Guardian and another Metropolis vigilante gangbuster. They were both involved in the 90-era Superman comics. Guardian actually works for security for Cadmus. He feels like an above board government or corporate sponsored hero like Captain America. Gangbuster is more your traditional vigilante, an ordinary guy who puts on a costume and beats up thugs to protect his community. James Olsen has the high tech gear and suit like Guardian, but he's operating more like Gangbuster. I've, I I don't think either of them had an assistant on a va- on a van though. Let me know what you <laughs> think. Yeah, I'm. I mean, when does it even exist in the comics? So yeah, I mean, there definitely was no one with a van running around. Like it, it reminded me of like the turtles van from like some of the old cartoons but i'm like why does that seem so familiar <laughs> um but yeah yeah gangbuster uh what i kind of know about him in dc comics is that he's a man named jose delgado and he was actually romantically involved with cat grant uh he kind of served as her bodyguard um so i was sort of hoping that we would see jose, jose delgado at some point with cat grant but when she kind of uh, went off the canvas this season. I was like, well, I guess we'll we'll never get to see him. Uh, but that would have been cool to see him as Gangbuster. But yeah, there are a, a lot of similarities uh, with what's going on with uh, Guardian. Uh, we have another listener uh, named uh, the 108 Sage, uh, who I referenced earlier, um, who wrote us an email saying, quote, in preparation for the invasion-themed crossover, I have been reading the connected comics and came across a page in the Daily Planet Invasion special, which I thought you might appreciate. Not only for the Cat Grant pinned gossip column, but also in the soap opera roundup, the one labeled Secret Hearts might prove interesting. And uh, also goes on to say, also in the Flash volume, num- uh, volume 2, number 21, the invasion tie-in, Wally West gives Fidel Castro a piggyback ride to save the planet. Doesn't get much better than that, unquote. Um, yeah, so this scan that 108 Sage uh, sent us is amazing. 
Uh, so I had actually forgotten about uh, Supergirl's connection to soap operas. I don't know how I forgot about that. Uh, I, uh, Corinne Mercury of Supergirl Power Hour actually reminded me on Twitter that uh, that there's a Supergirl soap opera thing. And so what 108 Sage sent us uh, has a little uh, snippet of Secret Hearts. And there's a description of an episode that says, Kara, with a C, Kara's life is Linda Lee, which is uh, L-Y-N-D-A, uh, which is interesting. They kind of uh, change the spellings for this fictional show. Kara's uh, life is Linda Lee turns out to be only a dream. Zorel and Lara, those are also changed spellings, try to help their daughter but find themselves trapped in a devastating earthquake and die. Plagued by dreams of a cousin, Carl, <laughs> Carl finally finds peace with her gra- when her grandfather, Ariel, reveals the family secrets to her. Next week, can Kara get the magic back into her life, or will she be content with what power she has? Unquote. So I was like, I want to watch Secret Hearts. That sounds amazing. I would totally watch that soap opera. And the scan actually also had a random Wild Dog reference in it. Uh, Wild Dog is currently on Arrow, so... Um, that that scan. Thank you so much for sending it because uh, it, it's a, it has so many jewels in there in that one page. Uh, so I appreciate you sending that over. Simon wrote in saying, "When Cadmus took Kara's blood, I hoped that he would use it for Galathea, the evil Supergirl clone. Such a powerful being under Cadmus' Cadmus's control would be so cool. And the classic struggle of could I become her could be very interesting. Could Project Medusa be the development of Galathea?" Yeah, and Stefan uh, also wrote in with a similar thought, writing, quote, I believe Cadmus needs Kara's blood because I believe Lena's mother wants to create a clone, a.k.a. Galatea, a.k.a. Power Girl, and brainwash the clone into thinking all aliens are evil, unquote. And I actually um, thought about Galatea from, uh, I believe that was Justice League Unlimited, uh, and kind of how they might use that uh, in terms of Cadmus using Kara's blood. I think it's a possibility. I, I was actually trying to, figure out why they would do that. And so I think the idea that uh, trying to turn, you know, having Galatea think all aliens are evil and kind of go after Supergirl, I think that could work. Um, So we'll have to see what they do uh, with her. But I don't know, maybe Kara's blood was just to use to get information out of uh, the fortress. I'm not sure. Uh, But we'll have to see what they do with that. We still have 16 more, um, 17 more episodes or something like that of the season, so there's plenty of time to get answers. <laughs> and for our last email, a listener named Hel- Helen, I don't think Helen Slater, but you know, if it's Helen Slater, I mean, who knows? Uh, but her, uh, a listener named Helen wrote an email with her thoughts on this week's episode saying, I'm liking James as a guardian a bit more now that he and Wynn seem to be finding their feet. Incredible plot twists with Jeremiah saving Kara and Monel. This was my favorite episode of the season so far. Yeah, and I would agree. I think this was a great episode. Uh, so thank you all for sending in your feedback. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, and we have over seven hours of music. So if you are into music from the show or about Supergirl, definitely check out our playlist. And uh, we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And thank you to Don T. Jr. for leaving us an iTunes review. Thank you so much. 
Supergirl Radio is also part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DC TV shows, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow DC Podcast on Twitter and like DC Podcast on Facebook. Boom. No, sorry. <laughs> I, I thought I would give you that to read, you know, ju- Justice for Morgan. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah more, no, trust me. Morgan does this so much better than, than me. So, um, you know, even if it seems like I'm in control, I'm not. So, <laughs> well, well done. You did that very well. Um, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D E R B Y K I D. I'm also on Instagram at The Derby Kid. And you can watch videos I've shot and edited it on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D E C K M I L K P R O D. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Andy Babacht. And Babacht is spelled B-E-H-B-A-K-H-T. You can find my work. Uh, I, I host the Flash podcast at theflashpodcast.com. And you can find all the links to social media and iTunes there. And you can find all my work at heroichollywood.com. All right. Well, if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And before you order chicken wings at an alien bar, you might want to check and make sure it's really chicken. What, you want to go? Summoning all heroes. As part of the excitement of Crossover Week, enter for your chance to win a one-of-a-kind Final Fantasy 15, Xbox One, and one in five downloads of the game. Kaboom time. That was awesome! Heroes vs. Aliens, a four-night crossover event, starts next Monday on The CW with Supergirl. Final Fantasy 15 coming November 29th. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Medusa. And the official description reads, quote, Eliza, guest star Helen Slater, comes to town to celebrate Thanksgiving with her daughters. Alex decides it's time to come out to her mother. Kara is shocked when Eliza suggests Monel has feelings for her. And when and James consider telling Kara the truth about the Guardian. Meanwhile, Cadmus unleashes a virus that instantly kills any alien in the vicinity, so Kara enlists an unexpected ally, Lena Luther. The epic superhero crossover kicks off tonight when Barry Allen, guest star Grant Gustin, and Cisco Ramon, guest star Carlos Valdez, seek Kara's help with an alien invasion on their Earth, unquote. So, uh, Andy, what are you most excited about in this very long uh, episode description? Hmm... What could I be excited about? <laughs> um, well, besides the crossover, Mama Mama Danvers being back. Oh. I love Helen Slater, and they're really like everything. We were, like you know, the only the thing we were criticizing in this episode might be taken care of in next week's mid-season finale of Supergirl, which is hilarious because it's like, oh, they're considering telling her that Malin has feelings for her, that uh, she, that Guardian is James, that James is Guardian, and uh, confronting, you know, that 
maybe Carl will tell Lena that, you know, oh, your mama went cray cray. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's like if they take care of all of that, I'm like, damn, talk about going out on a high note before Christmas. So, but of course, I am definitely most excited to see this, the beginning of the epic Fortnite crossover and also just seeing Cisco come to, to Earth, Supergirl. I mean, I hope that when and someone else is there in the same room as her, like when they're all meet up and stuff, because Cisco and when, I mean, oh my God, I, I have fa- hours of fan fiction I could write about those two. <laughs> but um, but yeah, what about you? Yeah, that, that would be really fun. They have a lot in common. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited to see how they start off this four show crossover and, and what that's going to look like and, and how Supergirl can help them. Uh, because that that's a that's a totally different thing, you know, different Earths and and uh, meeting new superheroes and, and kind of interacting with them. So I'm excited about that. But I'm also excited to see um, how Lena Luther comes into play if she's going to help uh, the you know uh, that prevent aliens from being killed from this virus. Uh, I think that would sort of put uh, Lena opposite her mother. And so I think that's a really interesting dynamic that, um, they could be at odds. Uh, so there could be a lot of good Luther stuff in there. And I'm also very excited about, uh, the return of Helen Slater. Um, so that should be really great. I'm very excited about this episode. Well, I need to go back to my earth, but, um, I guess we will see each other next week or something. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could help you out with a problem you have. Um, well, we we might have yeah. time in our schedule for that. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have that you could make time for us. You know, you should be able to say, you know, of course I have time for you, Andy, and your and your Earth with Oliver Queen on it. And sorry, okay, that's the last job. We're gonna be nice at Oliver in the in the pocket crossover. So, but um, yeah, I'll see you in a flash. Yeah, we'll do everything we can to help. Uh, Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.